Thank you for joining us here at Life Church. It's an honor to share God's word with you today. Our prayer is that you will connect with Jesus Christ as you hear his word online. We'd love to have you visit one of our upcoming gatherings. For more information, visit us online at www.liferva.org or contact our church offices and we'll be happy to help you in any way that we can. Let's go now to one of our recent services where you can experience a life-giving message from God's Word. I am uh, Robin Thompson, and it is my privilege today. My husband, our senior pastor, has given me the go-ahead to speak this morning, and I appreciate his direction, his wisdom, and his um, fearlessness to let me come up here this morning. I want to speak to you today on the subject, my friend, Jesus. He's a great friend. Now, when I hear the word friend, I think of my lifetime best friend, my sister. We are only one year apart, and I am proud to call her my own, and she's proud to call me her own. Kim and I know all the different sides of each other. She accepts me just the way I am. And we can still have sleepovers. She lives in Florida, but when she comes here or I, can, I go there, we can talk the night away while laughing uncontrollably. All our inside jokes are decades old, but they're still hilarious to us. Her husband always says we turn into different people when we see each other because we just... There's something about being together. We can communicate through our eyes and secret signals. We have special codes and one-word communications that nobody gets with us, but us. Also, uh, well, I won't tell on her, but if you're ever talking to her and she goes like this, she's not thinking hard. That means your breath is stinking and I need some help. That was the code to me to come and, you know, pull her aside and rescue her. We, we also have our own clap song. You know, when we were kids, we did CC My Playmate and Down Down Baby and all that, all that, you know, that most little girls do. We made up our very own clap song to the book of Jude. And if she were here, we could just go at it. Jude, the servant of Jesus Christ and brother of James. Them that are sanctified by God the Father. We could go at it. We could just astound you with our uh, Jude clap song. But I can call Kim when I have a bad day and just want to be listened to. She's a friend who sees me, cares for me, celebrates me, supports me, prays for me, and fights for me. When I had cancer, she was immediately at my side. She was there through my surgery. She was in my hospital room. She came home and took care of, came home with me to my house and took care of me. She even sat on my bully when I was in eighth grade. She um, was not happy that a boy at school was bullying me. And I look back and I don't think it was malicious. He probably just liked me and didn't know how to tell me. But he was doing stuff, you know, throwing stuff at me and tripping me and stuff like that. So I told my sister, and he rode our bus. She got on the bus, and she stomped up to him and said, scoot over. And there was already two other people in his seat. He couldn't scoot over. So he's looking up at her, and she sits on him and right squishes him all the way to school. He never bothered me again. 
I feel so blessed to have Kim as my friend. But there is another friend who loves deeper than anyone else in my life, my friend Jesus. He is the greatest friend of all time. He accepts us as we are, and he forgives us. He came to me when I was ugly, hurting, selfish, and depressed. Jesus is a friend to the lonely, the forgotten, and the rejected. And when you read the Gospels, you will find story after story after story of Jesus showing his great love and mercy and grace to sinners. And because of this acceptance, he was called in Luke 7:34, a friend of tax collectors and sinners. In Luke chapter 5, we witness a stunning scene. This is Jesus. He calls a tax collector to be his disciple. Tax collectors were some of the most resented people in his day. Jesus often did what was countercultural. So I'm not afraid to be countercultural in my day. Jesus appreciated and esteemed women when in that culture they were put down. He did all kinds of things that were not in sync with his culture. Not only did he enter that tax collector's house, that showed acceptance, but he shared a meal with a whole bunch of them. And that was a symbol of friendship. Let's read Luke 5, 27 through 32. Later, as Jesus left the town, he saw a tax collector named Levi at, sitting at his tax collector's booth. Follow me and be my disciple, Jesus said to him. So Levi got up, left everything, and followed him. Later, Levi held a banquet in his home with Jesus as the guest of honor. Many of Levi's tax, fellow tax collectors and other guests also ate with them. Did you notice it said many of his fellow tax collectors? The Pharisees and their teachers of religious law complained bitterly to Jesus' disciples. Why do you eat and drink with such scum? Jesus answered them, healthy people don't need a doctor. Sick people do. I have come to call not those who think they are righteous, but those who know they are sinners and need to repent. That's my Jesus. We don't have to get good to get him. He loves us. When we were still sinners, he died for us. On another occasion in John chapter 8, a woman was brought to Jesus who'd been caught in the very act of adultery. And when asked, they asked Jesus, what should her punishment be? Jesus didn't tell the people to stone her like the law commanded. But instead he said, I do not condemn you. Go and sin no more. Jesus, my friend, accepts me and forgives me. Jesus, my friend, rejoices with me in victories and is happy for every success. Have you ever had a friend who they can't be happy for you when good things happen to you because they're so jealous? You get a new car and they're mad that they're still driving their jalopy. They can't be glad that you got a new car. That, that's not like Jesus. He rejoices with me in victories. He's happy for every success that I have. His blessings come my way, 
and he's excited for me. He is delighted when I am blessed. My friend Jesus also draws near when I'm suffering to bear my burdens. I'm not alone in the valley because he's there with me. He understands my grief. In John chapter 11, after Lazarus had died, Jesus goes to comfort his friends and he listens to Mary and Martha cry and Jesus gets very emotional. John chapter 11, we're going to read verses 33 through 36. When Jesus saw her sobbing and the Jews who had come with her also sobbing, this was Mary, he was deeply moved in spirit to the point of anger at the sorrow caused by death. Have you ever been so hurt that you got mad? This was Jesus right here. And he was troubled and he said, where have you laid him? Talking about her brother Lazarus. And they said, Lord, come and see. And Jesus wept. He was so moved with his emotion because he loved his friend Lazarus. He loved Mary and Martha. So the Jews were saying, see how he loved him as a close friend. That's my friend Jesus. He understands the depth of my pain. Even whenever I can't put it into words, when it's only tears, he understands the depth of that pain. And my friend Jesus remains committed even when I stumble. My anger cannot push him away. My sin cannot separate him, me from his love. When Peter denied Jesus three times, Jesus remained committed to his friend Peter. Listen to the angel give Peter hope here. After Jesus, Peter denies Jesus three times. Jesus is crucified. He's buried. And this is on the early on the Sunday morning of his resurrection. The ladies had bought spices and they had gone to the tomb to anoint his body. That's where we're going to pick up here. At Mark 16, 5 through 7, when they entered the tomb, they saw a young man clothed in a white robe sitting on the right side. The women were shocked, but the angel said, don't be alarmed. You are looking for Jesus of Nazareth who was crucified. He isn't here. He is risen from the dead. Look, this is where they laid his body. And this is what I want you to notice. Now go and tell his disciples, including Peter, that Jesus is going ahead of you to Galilee. You will see him there just as he told you before he died. He wanted Peter to know, I love you. Don't stay away. I want to I meet with you. I've got a plan for you, Peter. I know you denied me, but I'm not holding a grudge against you. I understand you were hurt. You were angry. You didn't get it. But Peter, I love you. You're still my friend. He gave Peter hope. My friend Jesus accepts me as I am, forgives me, rejoices with me in victories, draws near when I am suffering, understands my grief, and remains committed even when I stumble. He's a great friend. And I, somewhere, I don't know how old I was when I recognized what a wonderful friend I had in Jesus. But as 
many of you know, sometimes you can be a good friend to someone and they're not a good friend back. You can show up for them. You can speak well of them. You can love them. And then when it's your turn, they don't show up for you. I didn't want to be that kind of friend to Jesus. He was such a good friend to me. I wanted to be a good friend back to him. So how do I become a better friend to Jesus? He's a friend to me. How do I become a friend to him? The same way we do with any relationship on the earth. We cultivate a good friendship by spending time together, by communicating, by being there, by talking with one another. And that's the same thing it was, it was for Jesus in my life. I began to make him a priority, make being with him a priority. Because relationships thrive when there's plenty of time and attention given to it. Now, my friendship with Jesus began as a very little girl. Watching my mom's relationship with Jesus impacted me greatly. But it wasn't until I was a senior in high school that my mom came to me and she saw my hunger for the Lord, my love for him. She also saw that my best friend, Kim, was going away to college and I was going to be without my friend. And she challenged me to do what she did. And that was to meet with Jesus every morning from six to seven for prayer. And so I said yes, and we signed a little covenant together. And so every morning, my mom and I would go into the living room and we would have time with Jesus. Developing that habit was a lifeline for me. Through prayer, I felt like I had began to transition. I had built a bridge to God, which I'd always had access to him, but now it felt like, man, I was so connected to him. I could just run into his arms at any time. And it was such a beautiful thing where I exchanged my fear because I was more shy and backwards, but I exchanged my fear for Holy Ghost boldness. And in his presence, I exchanged my depression for peace and joy. I exchanged my lack of direction for a holy purpose. And I exchanged the spirit of suicide, even though I knew Jesus and I had good things in my life. You know, the enemy wants to steal, kill, and destroy. And he had sent a spirit of suicide to me when I was in junior high. But the Lord, in that time of prayer, he destroyed that suicide and he broke the chains of it off of my life. And I know in the world today, the spirit of suicide is attacking many people. And I want to say there is power in Jesus. There is power to break that. There is power. There's one who fights for you. Later in life, that spirit would try to come back upon me, but the Lord gave me some tools. He gave me some ways to help fight against it. And I am so thankful that he, I exchanged that death for abundant life. I am so grateful to walk in life. So I, I grew in my friendship with the Lord by making him a priority, spending time in prayer. Prayer is just simply talking to him. We thank him, we confess our sins to him, we share our burdens with him. And as time went on, I realized 
that it wasn't just at six o'clock in the morning that I could be with Jesus, but I could walk all through my day with my hand in his and his in mine. And it became a, a change in my life. It became, all it took was me being intentional about recognizing that he was there and including him in my daily life. Psalms chapter 91, that's such a beautiful chapter in the Bible. It's perhaps my favorite one. It describes the safety of living in the presence of God. Psalms 91, 1 through 2, he who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, he is my refuge and my fortress. My God in him will I trust. It goes on to say, I'm not going to be afraid of the arrows. There may become a thousand. They're going to fall, but 10,000 are going to fall at my right hand. He's going to protect me and keep me. It's a beautiful, beautiful psalm. I, I encourage you to go home and pray that, read that, meditate on it. Make it a part of you. I just envisioned going into the secret place with Jesus where the darts of the enemy couldn't find me because I was hidden under the shadow of his wings. And I don't know whether the enemy could see me or not, but sometimes in my mind, I would think, oh, he doesn't know where I am right now. He can't see me because the Almighty is shielding me from him. That may not have even been true. But to me, it gave me boldness. It, it encouraged me and, and built my confidence. So my trust began to grow. And my hunger for his word began to blossom. And my desire to know him turned into a burning passion. And Jesus' opinion became more important to me than any other opinion of any other person in this world. I cared more about what he thought about me than what the world thought about me. I cared more about what his opinion was than I did any other earthly person. Spending time with him in his word, talking to him, and listening. You know, prayer is talking to the Lord, but it's also listening to the Lord. And my friend Jesus, I began to learn to hear his voice. And I know that not everybody has um, walked with the Lord and has learned to hear his voice, but he is speaking to you if you will take the time to listen. If you will stop, put your phone away. <laughs> just, just set it down for a few minutes. <laughs> Give him some space to talk to you. He is speaking to you. And I, I began to hear his voice. Sometimes he would bring a passage of scripture to my mind that encouraged me. Other times a song or a sermon would speak to me on a subject that I'd been asking for clarity on. Sometimes it was just a feeling deep in my gut of him, like a warning or just an intuition. And it was his voice speaking to me. And I learned to hear him even in creation. I know you've probably heard my butterfly story, so I won't tell it again. I've had several butterfly encounters that I feel like the Lord was, was speaking so um, beautifully to me. 
Sometimes he speaks to us in a dream. His, he is constantly trying to get our attention. Sometimes it was just a deep sense of peace that would come into my spirit. Sometime in my 20s, I read a book called Heinz Feet on High Places by Hannah Hernard. And it's an allegory. It dramatizes the Jesus as the good shepherd. And the story, I love this story. It's like my all-time favorite little book. It's the story of a young girl named Much Afraid who learns to trust the chief shepherd. And she leaves where she lived was a valley, and it was called the Valley of Humiliation. So she decides she is going to leave that valley and go to the high places with the chief shepherd. She begins her journey with crippled feet and a twisted mouth. But after she overcomes many dangers and makes it up the path to the canyon of full surrender, she jumps off that canyon, giving her everything to the shepherd. And she lands in the healing streams. And when she gets out, she's healed. Her feet are no longer crippled. Her mouth is no longer crooked. And so she goes leaping up the side of the cliff, not on her crippled feet, but on hind's feet like a deer. She goes leaping up the mountain, and there the shepherd changes her name from much afraid to grace and glory. I was so moved by this story. I wanted, I wanted to be like much afraid. I wanted to know that I wanted God to give me a new name. And, you know, I thought of how Native Americans, they, they did that, you know, running deer. This is strong ox or whatever. <laughs> this is, you know, I hope, it, wouldn't it be terrible if your Native American name was Stanky? That would be bad. <laughs> Mine probably would have been ice cream gobbler. I don't know. But I, one year, I, you know, I, I had just been marinating in this book. Like, I mean, I thought, I, I didn't just read it once. I went back to it a lot. I, I even had one of my daughters memorize it for like a contest, like a condensed version. And she spoke it, you know, at those little contests they do. Anyway, I was praying one, one, um, uh, for actually not one day, but for a whole year. <laughs> I said, Lord, I want to know what my name is in the spirit. Like, what, what do you see me as? What does the spirit world know me as? What, I don't want my name to be much afraid. Oh, what is my name? And so I prayed that the Lord would reveal to me what my name was in the spirit. And, you know, at the end of that year, because I always pick a theme or something that I kind of focus on for the year. And at the end of the year, he still hadn't told me. So I was like, okay, I guess I don't have a spiritual name. <laughs> I don't, or maybe he just doesn't want me to know it. So I forgot about it. And I went on. Well, in 2003, my father passed away in May. And, um... I had gone to his funeral. I was back home, and I remember I was in the living room. I can see it in my mind like it was yesterday. I was in the living room of our home, and I was just worshiping and rejoicing in the Lord, and I was saying, thank you that for being my father. 
thank you that, you know, I don't have an earthly father anymore, but you are my father. You're my protector. You're watching over me. You're keeping me. And I was just worshiping him. I was in awe of his, his greatness to help me and comfort me through the, the grief of losing my father. And he spoke to me and said, your name is friend of God. And when he said that, I mean, the water works like a dam broke. I began, of course, I was probably already crying, but I just began weeping. What a privilege that you would call me friend of God. That I would be that intimate with you. That you would give me that name, God. Oh, thank you, Lord. So I just rejoiced in him. I was so moved and so grateful and I don't know why he didn't tell me before, but that was the moment he chose to speak to me. And you know what? Not much later, the song came out that we sang today, Friend of God. And I am convinced <laughs> that God told Israel Hope to write it for me. <laughs> I don't know what Israel thinks, but I'm telling you, God moved on him to write it for me. The first time I heard that song, I, I was like, I just, I was worshiping. I was like wild for, I, I mean, I was like, he calls me friend. That's me. He's saying that to me. He wrote it for me. Y'all are singing it for me. I was just convinced because he had told me my name was friend of God. And that's why when we sing that song, I'm still so humbled. And yet I am still so joyful and I am still so in the devil's face that I am the friend of God. And it doesn't matter what weapons you come and bring against me because no weapon formed against me shall prosper. I know my friend Jesus fights for me. I am the friend of God. Praise God. As I continued walking with my friend, I didn't always get it right. And one day in late, sep late December, I was working several, many years ago, I was working on my goals for the new year. And although here he had given me the name, friend of God, and I had walked with him for many years at this point, I was still not fully getting it. I was being a victim, whining around, repenting over, not doing enough. Oh, I, was, I had my notepad out and I was writing all the goals for my next year. Like, I'm going to pray this long. I'm going to read this many chapters. I'm going to memorize this many verses. I'm going to teach this many Bible studies. I'm going to do, 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 works, 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 which is not a bad thing. But God said to me, would you put that notebook away? He spoke this to me. Why won't you accept my love? You are acting like a servant when I have called you friend. And of course, again, I'm, uh, I'm crying again. I'm sorry. You have called me friend. I do want to serve you. I, I am doing your commands, but, and I don't have to earn your love and your favor. I already have it. Because you're a, a friend to the sinner. And as long as I live, I'm going to still be needing the grace of God. And the 
mercy of the cross and his blood to be applied to my life. John 15, 13 through 15 says, Greater love has no one than this, than to lay down one's life for his friends. You are my friends if you do whatever I command you. Jesus in this chapter was talking to his disciples about living in him. It was about he was the vine and they were the branches. And he says, no longer do I call you servants. For a servant does not know what his master is doing. But I have called you friends. For all things that I heard from my father, I have made known to you. I've been telling you secrets of the kingdom. I've been sharing with you and it's for a reason and it's for a purpose. It's because I want you to abide in me so that then you can take my gospel to this world. My friend Jesus. I was made to be the friend of God and you were made to be the friend of God. My friend Jesus can open closed doors that no man can unlock. He made this really clear to me when one day in the physical, our kids were young and we had gone on a free getaway. If we would only sit and listen to a timeshare presentation. (laughs) So we went to Myrtle Beach to this free getaway and we got there really late and we could not get into our free condo. All the doors were locked and the front desk was closed. Nobody was there. We we were supposed to have gotten there earlier and I, I don't know if there was a storm, I don't remember. But we got there super late. No. We had already been checked in. We, yes. It doesn't matter. We left, did something, we came back. Anyway, we left the keys in there. We couldn't get in. There was no one at the front office. So I, the kids, the, my two little girls are standing there. We're outside. It's dark at night. We don't know anyone. And my husband, who's going to make it happen, is going around. He's like rattling the door pushing on it. It's not opening. He's going around to check every window to see if he can break in. So while he's doing this around back, I'm getting my credit card out, you know, trying to break in, doing the swipe thing. You know, it's not working. All of a sudden I put it down. I went, what am I doing? My friend is Jesus. And I simply said, Jesus, we can't get in. Would you unlock this door for us? And I opened the door and walked in. My friend Jesus unlocked the door. But I want to tell you, that's not the miracle. There are so many doors that I felt locked in my life. That no matter how much I beat on that door, kicked it, got mad, tried to jimmy it, tried to get my credit card out and break in. I couldn't break in, but my Jesus could unlock the doors. He unlocked the door of healing in my life. He unlocked the door of boldness in his spirit. He unlocked the door of joy and peace that no man could give me. My Jesus can unlock any closed door. Doors of opportunity, doors of blessing, doors of favor. 
He can do that. And my friend Jesus taught me to live in love instead of fear. My friend Jesus walks with me through loss and carries me through sorrow and grief. And I have um, tried to throw out my anchor many times and stay in my sorrow and my grief. And my friend Jesus comes over and says, girl, you need to take up that anchor. I've cried with you. I've sat with you. It's time to get up out of this pit of grief. And I'm going to help you walk out of it. My friend Jesus shines his light in my darkness. And when I can't see, he steps in and guides me. My friend Jesus gave me a new name and a new identity. I am no longer servant, but I am friend. My friend Jesus gave me so many good, good gifts. Salvation, joy unspeakable. He gave me so many good gifts. And I feel so grateful to know him and call him friend. He has been my healer. When no one could heal me, he has healed me. He's healed my mind, my soul, and my body. When the doctors told me I had cancer and I went home and sat in my bedroom, my friend Jesus came. And he covered me with a blanket of love. And as I lay in my bed after my surgery, just weak and in pain, my friend Jesus ministered to me in such a divine way that it no, I no longer was concerned if I was to live or die because my friend Jesus was all that mattered in that moment. And he came and he healed me. And he said, it's not time for you. You will live and not die to declare the glory of God. He has healed me on so many occasions. That's my friend Jesus. My friend Jesus gives me his power and his authority to bind the works of the enemy and to loose the blessings of God. Jesus wanted to become the sinner's friend so that the sinner could be forgiven. The sick could be healed, the bound set free, and to give us a purpose beyond ourselves. He came to restore us to full health. That's my Jesus. Because when we are whole, we can in turn share the good news with others who need forgiveness and healing. That's my friend Jesus. I remember one year I had gone to a conference, a ladies' conference. They had invited me to speak. And the night before, this was a Friday night, I was to speak on Saturday. On Friday night, I was at the back of the conference looking out over a sea of women. And I looked up on the platform and I saw all these mighty women of God and I wasn't I didn't feel like I was up to their caliber. And I said, Lord, what am I doing here? And I can't even tell you how strongly he spoke into my spirit. The spirit of the Lord is upon you. 
because he has anointed you to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent you to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed. When he spoke that to me immediately, instead of like, oh, I'm anointed immediately, I was like, what? I'm supposed to be a preacher? What? No. That, I said, What's it? what do you mean? He's like, girl, can you not just go with it? I have anointed you. So tomorrow, don't be afraid. But that's what God does. He, Jesus came. That was a prophecy in the Old Testament about Jesus. And when Jesus came, the spirit of the Lord was upon him. He was anointed to preach the gospel to the poor, to heal the brokenhearted, to set them at liberty, those who were bound to make the blind recover. Jesus did all of those things. And if you have Jesus, you do all of those things in his name through the power of his spirit. That's why he came to be our friend. My friend, Jesus. I want to tell you about my friend. I'm just going to take a little break here. Thank you, Jordan. Are you past the point of weary? Is your burden weighing heavy? Is it all too much to carry? Let me tell you about my Jesus. Do you feel that empty feeling? Cause shame's done all that's stealing. And you're desperate for some healing. Let me tell you about my Jesus. He makes a way where there ain't no way.
over this house today. Come on. Hallelujah. Aren't you thankful for your friend Jesus? Hallelujah. 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 Oh, I'm so grateful for the Lord today in my life. Amen.